now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is MC Money. I'm joined by certain the soccer dad, and of course, we are still praying for House and his family as they continue to mourn the loss of House's beloved father and uh, House's mom, her beloved husband. They obviously need time to to continue to to mourn the the passing of their loved one. So we will give House as much time as he needs. But it has been an absolute slow time for the Miami Dolphins over the past few days. We have really nothing to talk about. And so we decided to have the show on a Monday just to get it out of the way because it was so dead. We said, listen, we want to enjoy our week, <laughs> get it done tonight, and let's just move on with our lives. Obviously, yeah, you know, been- all that is absolutely false. <laughs> the Dolphins have been the talk of the nation over the past several days. Most recently, they've been the butt of many jokes over the past 24 hours or so. <laughs> And we're here tonight. I think you did there. Yeah, yeah, you like that? <laughs> I was waiting for you yeah, to get that. Yeah, but of the jokes. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we're here tonight good. to kind of uh, bring it all in and take it all under wraps and really try to take a step back, slow down from all the tweeting out there, all the articles, all, all the memes, all the photos, all the Photoshop stuff. We're taking a step back. We're going to really look at this situation with Jay Cutler. We're going to talk rationally. Okay, we're going to talk realistically. We're going to try to, you know, take you away from the fast-paced world of Twitter for an hour or so that we're on the air tonight. You know, something it was crazy because when Tannehill got injured, what was it on Thursday or Friday? I forget what day it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it was Thursday. Yeah, it's like damn. Thursday morning, Tannehill goes out of practice. Everyone's holding their breath that an NFL Network report comes out later in the day. No structural damage to Ryan Tannehill. Same as it was this morning. And everyone's rejoicing. And everyone's on cloud nine. Starting quarterback for the Dolphins is not injured. He's going to play for this season. And then Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald says, pump the brakes. The MRA is inconclusive. There is still some tests to look at. Ryan Tannehill is not out of the woods. And then you get deflated a little bit. And I'm not talking about the deflated balls that Tom Brady uses. I'm talking about mentally you are deflated. And then the news from there did not get any better. It just went downhill and downhill and downhill from there. And then we're just left wondering, well, what are the Dolphins going to do? Are they going to ride with Matt Moore? Are they going to bring someone in? And is that person going to be Colin Kaepernick? And then Jay Cutler's name pops up. And everyone's like, oh, that makes perfect sense because Adam Gase was Jay Cutler's offensive coordinator in 2015. 
Cutler experiencing one of his best seasons in professional in his professional career that he's ever experienced. And part of the reason why Adam Gase got the job in Miami was because of the transformation he had with Jay Cutler. And then the whirlwind with Jay Cutler, the back and forth, the Jay Cutler is coming out of retirement. Then Jeff Darlington saying Jeff Cutler, Jay Cutler is not coming out of retirement. He's leaning towards staying retired. And then, you know, just everything, the back and forth, back and forth. It was just a crazy, crazy few days until finally Jay Cutler was announced officially by the Miami Dolphins this afternoon, but unofficially yesterday where the uh, reporters leaked it out. So, so, and I mean, I don't know. It was just a crazy, crazy few days. Yeah, I was going to interject earlier. There's been way too many crickets and tumbleweeds around Miami Dolphins country uh, (laughs) recently. But, again, we know that's absolute farce. And it was – man, it was just stunning. You know, we had such high hopes going into this year. And not to say that all is um, all for naught, but um, it was certainly – you just felt good about this culture, this – uh, the future of the team, um, and then to have this kind of devastating news. And, you know, for whatever we think about Ryan Tannehill, your heart has to go out to him as just a professional football player, just um, this poor luck. And we've counted on him a lot in terms of his durability. I mean, he until last year he hadn't missed a start, so – we were very lucky in that sense. And now we're kind of realizing, okay, maybe Ryan is human a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, and then flash forward to Jay Cutler. I have some mixed feelings on that front too. You know, there's great arguments on the side. You've already touched on it. The 92.3 quarterback rating under Gase, the best of his career. And then on the flip side of that, you know, he played five games last year and you don't know, how long it's going to take for this offense to have any kind of cohesion the way that we need to move the football starting week one against Tampa Bay. We're going to get into the thick of this throughout the show, so we might as well uh, continue on. But it was certainly tough news to digest as a Dolphins fan. Yeah, and to help us kind of pull all this in and really get a good opinion of Jay Cutler and other things with the Miami Dolphins too, because obviously Jay Cutler is the big storyline but there is other news as well, and we welcome Antoine Staley to the show. Antoine, thank you for joining Finsider Radio. How are you doing tonight? Hey, how you doing? We are doing very well. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. Antoine Staley, the covering, he's covering the Dolphins as a managing editor of the Dolphins Wire for USA Today, also a Athlon Sports College football writer, East Carolina alumni, and part of the PFWA Writers Association. So, Antoine, before we get into Jay Cutler, and one other thing actually breaking right this minute, and unrelated to the Dolphins, but related in some sort of way, Brandon Albert has informed the Jaguars he's going to report to the team. So, Brandon Albert, who said he was retiring, <laughs> is now reporting back to the Jaguars. So, the wow. seventh round oh. pick the Dolphins had uh, is back in play. So, that's, that's kind of interesting oh, well. there. Oh, man, yeah, there's nothing I, I, set. There's nothing set in stone in the NFL anymore, is there? Just no, everybody's flip flopping. Nah, no, it's day to day. NFL is day to day. I, I, I mean, you're <laughs> you're breaking that to me. I I had no idea actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, Adam Kaplan. Yeah, it's, Adam Kaplan. It's a little surprising. Just, you know, 
That is crazy. All right, Antoine, before we get into Jay Cutler, uh, you've been looking at uh-huh. the practices. You've been covering the team. Uh, very good stuff, very in-depth, and you're a great follower on Twitter, always interacting with the fans out there. On the offensive side of the ball, before Ryan Tannehill went down, how, what were they doing? How were they doing? Were they coming together? Was Ryan Tannehill really poised for this huge breakout year everybody was saying he was going to have? It appears that way. Uh, uh, you look at what Tannehill was before he suffered the – ACL and MCL, MCL sprain last year. Yeah, it looks like he was definitely going to be that same type player, maybe and take a jump for this year for the Miami Dolphins. But yeah, it was just unfortunate. I, I obviously I saw the injury live, and yeah, it was it's tough. And anytime you have suffer a non-contact injury, you know it's not it's usually not a good thing. I know the Dolphins had Bobby McCain suffered one too, and they were fortunate it was not that bad, but with Tannehill, you just kind of like, yeah, this this does not look good, and it's the same D and everything of that nature. So, but to answer your question, I thought it was it looked like he was poised to have a decent year. Look like he looked like the same quarterback that he was prior to him getting hurt last December. So you said you said Antoine, you were there live when Tannehill suffered the injury. We saw the tweets how the mood changed the practice and so forth. What, what were you observing from the fans, from the players, with the body language? From the coaching staff, you know, what was the mood at practice once Tannehill was walking off the field? Well, it energy kind of just sucked out of the whole entire building because it becomes at that point, you're like, how is Tannehill doing? How is Tannehill doing? And then you ask the players. I know some of the players, the receivers, Kenny Steele, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, they went into, they left practice early so they could check up on Ryan Tannehill and see how he was doing. So, yeah, the energy just completely went out the building there and, Everybody wanted to know how Ryan was doing, but we kind of we kind of feared the worst. We knew the worst was probably going to be kind of happen, and unfortunately, doesn't like that's the case. Yeah, Antoine, Antoine Sutton here. Thanks again for joining us, and I appreciate you taking some time. So I know you've been popping in on a lot of interviews lately with radio stations around the country. What what are some of the takes around <clears throat> outside of Dolphins Nation? What are some of the other takes that you're hearing while you're making these appearances? Well, everybody wants to know about Jay Cutler now. That's pretty much the main thing, and how's <laughs> Ryan Tannehill doing? And yeah, it's, it's been it's this national story, which I'm I've covered the Dolphins for five years now. I'm not necessarily I can probably count on my one hand when the Dolphins have had national big time stories. I know Bully Gate was one of them. I know Brent Grimes has been a part of some of them as well when he was a member of the Dolphins. So it's very rare that we've had national stories that lead off sports center, ESPN, and NFL Network. But, yeah, that's kind of the big thing right now. People want to know about Jay Cutler, how the fit is, Adam Gates, and things of that nature. So I'm not necessarily used to being having the Dolphins <laughs> be on a national level that they are right now. So what, sorry, I should have been more clear with my first question. I was kind of gearing that towards Jay Cutler. Like what when you're – in these interviews and you're being asked questions about Cutler, what are some of the other takes outside of Dolphins Nation? What are they thinking fit-wise in terms of Cutler here in Miami? Well, I, I know I talked to Chicago. I was on Chicago radio today, and they were they were talking about how Jay Cutler and Gates messed in 2015, to be honest with you. So that was kind of the whole bit thing there and how they believe it's such a great fit between those two. And how I mean, it was it arguably that was Jay Cutler's best season in the league. So I think that was kind of the narrative they they were hitting on in Chicago as well. 
uh, just talking about talking with them, talking to some of the other people. So yeah, they they're curious to see how how fast one is if, if one if he's going to be the starting quarterback, which I can tell you he is, because Adam Gates said it best today. Jay Cutler didn't come out of retirement, uh, especially from the broadcast booth to sit on the bench. So he's definitely yeah. going to be the starter. And two, how can he, how fastly can he build that rapport with receivers that he's never worked with? Now, Antoine, you are in the locker room quite often, uh, talking with the players, forming relationships with the players and so forth. A lot of people have been talking about the the locker room with Adam Gaze and whether or not he's going to lose it by bringing in Cutler to start over Matt Moore. I mean, these guys have been with Matt Moore for a few years. They saw Matt Moore come to lead the team last season when Tannehill went down. Um, do you think that Adam Gaze is at risk of losing the locker room by bringing Jay Cutler in? Or do you think Adam Gase is big enough to handle this kind of situation? I think I think with Adam Gase's personality, I think the players respect him. I know Kenny Stills wasn't happy about it. It's kind of deserving what he had to say. I mean, he's a Matt Moore guy. And, I, I mean, it's easy to be that way because Matt Moore is the guy that was there. and He's never played with Jay Cutler. He doesn't know Jay Cutler. Um, but I think, you know, you have players that have played with Jay Cutler in the locker room. Uh, obviously, talk about Ted Larson, who I know is injured right now and Javon Bushrod. So I think the players will definitely lean on him, lean on them to kind of ease the situation. Obviously, Gates has a relationship with Jay Cutler as well. So I, I don't know. I, I, they, they told, I mean, Adam Gates said pretty much that he told players straight up, he told Matt Moore, Moore even admitted it, that he told him straight up what it was. And I think players respect, you know, just be, them being honest with it. They may not necessarily like what you have to say, but – Adam Gates is a straight shooter. He tells you he tells it like how it is and straight up forward and I think the players respect that, even if they don't like necessarily what he has to say. We are joined by Antoine Staley, covers the Dolphins as the managing editor of the Dolphins Wire for USA Today, also an Athlon Sports College football writer. Hey Antoine, I have one more question for you this evening. Sure. You know, we're we're all a little sensitive about injuries at this point, understandably so. So give us some good news, perhaps, um, but give it to us straight. How's Mike Pouncey looking out there, moving around in training camp? Well, they've been they've been easing him in. Uh, they they want to just I don't expect him to play in any kind of preseason games. They want to try to limit his amount of what he does during the preseason. They try to manage, make sure he can play all sixteen games, or maybe not even all sixteen games, but as many games as possible. Talking about an individual that has not played a 16, in the full 16 games since the second year in the league in 2012. So, yeah, I think they're definitely – it's kind of like a pitch count with pitcher. And it's trying to make sure mm-hmm. that yeah, they're keeping him right and make sure he's healthy and things of that nature. So, yeah, but he's out there practicing. He does drills. He may not do – he may not work out the entire time, but they're, they're keeping an eye on him. He's fine health-wise. All right. Antoine Staley, thank you for joining us tonight, taking time out of your day. If you're on Twitter, follow him at Antoine Staley. Great follow. Just be sure to check it out. Antoine, thank you very much. All right, fellas. You take it easy. All right. Thank that, you. Was, that, that was Antoine Staley. Like I mentioned, great uh, reporter to follow on Twitter. Very interactive. Doesn't treat you, you know, like the little guy there and really interacts with his fans and his followers and does a great job covering the Dolphins and, and just recently – you know, about a year or so ago, getting that gig with USA Today, and that has really taken off over the past year with him in charge. So, Antoine Staley, great, great uh, 
Great reporter, really good guy. So, and your thoughts on what he said in terms of, you know, Adam Gase not losing the locker room, the, the perception of Jay Cutler and the Chicago media sticking up for Jay Cutler in a way with saying that Adam Gase and him are a perfect fit. Well, and it's uh, definitely a critical juncture in our season before it's even, before the preseason's even begun. And I'll go back to the feeling that I had on Thursday and Friday and the energy that Antoine was talking about that got sucked out of the training camp facility and out of all the fans. And I think Adam Gase is, that's how we know we have a keeper because he understands that too. And he's grabbing this locker room by the horn, so to speak. And he's, he's going to get this steered correctly. And I think we all, kind of knew that um, we didn't know how long, how long it would take maybe. Um, but Gase certainly shows an appreciation for how delicate the locker room balance can be. So to bring in a vet that knows the system, come in and really just re-inject some hope into these guys. And uh, I think he's doing an admirable job so far. And I think as time wears on, as we see Jay Cutler developing that rapport with the wide receivers maybe seeing the offensive line come together, seeing that defense fly around. I think we're going to be okay going into week one as fans in terms of how we're feeling about this team because everybody's zero and zero right now. And everybody that's watched the NFL for any amount of time knows that there's a reason that the game's played every Sunday. All right. So we have a jam-packed show tonight. We have in about a few minutes, Matty Infante, as you also known as Matty I on Twitter, he is uh, the original founder of the Finsider, a very good uh, guy, and the reason why we're all here today, right? So that sounds like, you know, you're talking about your grandmother, your father, the reason why we're here today, blah, 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 blah. Later on, we're joined by Keith B. From, uh, he is also the former host of Finsider Radio before I took over with Sutton and Outs. And Keith lives in Chicago area, so he's going to give us a rundown on the media uh, perception of Jay Cutler and what it was like, one, when Jay Cutler was in Chicago, and two, what the reaction is now. So we do have a few uh, minutes for callers in between interviews, so we're going to bring this one on the line. Welcome to Finsider Radio. Who are you, and what is your question? Uh, hello? Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, Todd? Yeah, hi, we haven't heard from you in a while, buddy. Nice to yeah, hear from you. I, uh took a break from Dolphins Twitter and everything along those lines and trying to make my way back now. Yep. But uh, I wanted to really get your guys' opinion on the whole national media, basically mostly ESPN, uh, talking about the whole situation of us signing Cutler and not signing Kaepernick. A lot of it I haven't seen anyone bring up besides – this is on Fox Sports on FS1 – the only person I've seen really bring up the whole like, thing about what Cap said about Phil Castro was Skip Bayless, and not a lot of people have taken that into account. I wanted to know what you guys thought about that in terms of everyone not really taking into account the fact that this is Miami and basically the majority of the population is mostly Cuban. Thanks, Kai, for the call. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk, and, so, and you could chime into what I'm done. There was a lot of talk about Colin Kaepernick and the fact that you know, can he come to Miami? And Jeff Darlington actually reported that the Dolphins were kind of moving on from Colin Kaepernick and moving away from him because of the Fidel Castro shirt he wore. However, as uh, conversations went on and as the possibility became became that Jay Cullard may not come out of 
retirement, they began discussing Colin Kaepernick again. However, I'm told that Colin Kaepernick was not their first backup option. While Stephen Ross did sign off on signing Colin Kaepernick, uh, the coaches wanted to go a different direction. And I was told that had the Dolphins not signed Jay Cutler, they would have went Christian Ponder. And they've also would have looked at RG3. The reason for Kaepernick is twofold. One, yes, because of his off-the-field issues and his views that would highly offend many of the residents of South Florida. But also because of this, and it was football. If you bring in Colin Kaepernick, you're running two totally different styles of offenses with him and Matt Moore. Matt Moore is a pocket passer. He's not going to run the read option. He's not going to be running in the open field. He's not going to be doing all the things that Kaepernick is doing. And two, if you bring in Kaepernick, you're bringing him as the backup, which was the Dolphins were going to do. So you would have to do a regular system for Matt Moore, the one they have in place. Let's say Matt Moore goes down, right, in the regular season. Now you're changing the entire offense midstream. And that's kind of a recipe for disaster. The Dolphins were successful with it with the Wildcat. That's probably a flash in the pan because it was so exotic. You know, doing that in the middle of this regular season with, you know, with the quarterback, where you need to pass and a traditional quarterback in terms of dropping back and passing and sometimes running, you know, very impossible to do. So at the end of the day, for me, I think it came down to strictly football reasons. So, and I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Uh, no, not really. Other than, you know, the, the front office, I'm sure had a nuanced discussion about uh, the relative benefits and drawbacks to signing Colin Kaepernick, like they would approach, any potential quarterback in that situation, obviously because it's Kaepernick, it brings with it its own lightning rod. So it gets magnified a little bit. Um, But like you said, and uh, Benjamin Albright, a guy out of Denver, he probably put it the best. He just said for Miami, it's a football decision. And I think that's about as simply as we can put it. It was a football decision. All right, Kai, thank you for calling Finsider Radio. All right. So we took that call in between, but now we're going to welcome on Maddie Infante, you're on Twitter, Matt is his a uh, Twitter handle, and Maddie is the founder of the Finsider, the Finsider.com, which you all visit on a daily basis, and of course listen to our podcast. He's also the victim, as his Twitter profile says, of an abusive relationship with the Miami Dolphins. Maddie, welcome to Finsider Radio. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Sutton's on the other line with us, and Maddie, you're kind of a legend on Twitter. The founder of the Finsider. You are very well-known on Twitter. You're very credible. People listen to you. People respect your opinion. Your ratio, your following, the followers ratio is, is dynamic. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're one is, of Is that of, an actual metric now that, that, that people look at? I, I was unaware of that. It is. All your messages are That's all. So anyways, Matt, I mean, you get a lot of reactions on Twitter in terms of who you talk to, what you tweet, what people come back at you with. We get that to a lesser degree. We don't have as many followers as you. We'll get there one day. It might take us several years. But, Maddie, you know, what's the um, – I'm keep on calling you Maddie. Matt, what is the, uh, you know, the general reaction from the followers on Twitter that, that you have, you know, following your account with the Jay Cutler signing? Oh, my God. It, it's been all <laughs> over the map. Uh, I have had – and I guess because it wasn't Kaepernick, that created – so I have the people that think – it's all political driven, and that's why I went for color. I got people that think that they should have just left it alone because, you know, they're not going to win any more with color than they would have with Matt Moore. So just let it be and, and, and roll that cap space over. So, I mean, it's, 
my mentions have been a disaster in the past couple of days. Um, <laughs> it, but but it, it, I guess in a fun way. I mean, it, it, it's fun to interact yeah. and see all these different opinions. But some people have gone, and it's really been the pro Kaepernick people have really crossed the line somewhere and I just started muting them left and right because it just got to the point where they were trying to bring in so much that, that isn't football related and I just don't even care to get into that. So I, I just muted that and, and move on. So, so you mentioned, Matt, that, you know, the Kaepernick issue, and we just kind of touched on that before we came on the line. But in your opinion, Matt, you know, the Kaepernick, I know that's such a polarizing topic. For me, this is a football decision. Adam Gase trusts Jay Cutler. Adam Gase is willing to put his job on the line in some respects. No, he won't get fired after this season, but it will stay with him forever if this is a complete disaster. Uh, he's willing to put his job on the line in some respects for Jay Cutler. Do you feel the same way in terms of, yeah, it was a football decision. It has nothing to do with the politics of Kaepernick. While other teams may be do, having to do with the politics there, this in Miami was purely football. Yeah, the, the, I I would agree. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier um, that it, they would have to have Gage would have to have two different offenses. He would have to have one for Matt Moore and one for Kaepernick. And, and that's I mean you have a month to try to implement a Kaepernick version of the offense, and that's just not going to cut it. And he would have came in as Moore's backup. It, it, it would have been I, I think how it would have went down if they even considered you know bringing Kaepernick in. And I just heard you say about the ponder thing, which is a whole nother. I can't imagine if Christian Ponder came here, so I didn't want to touch that. But, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I think it was a football decision. And at the end of the day, he went with the guy he knew. And anyone wants to make a political thing about it, I think they're missing the boat here. Because I think if Kaepernick gave him the best chance to win, I don't think Adam Gase would have uh, resisted. And I don't think Stephen Ross was against it either. So I, if that's who he wanted, I think he would be here. But he's comfortable with Cutler. He knows Cutler's personality. He doesn't know Kaepernick's from a hole in the wall, from what I understand. I know there were reports that he had an offense designed for Kaepernick when he interviewed with San Francisco years ago. How much did he really know Kaepernick? His personality, what he's like in the locker room. He knows what he's getting with Cutler. Hey, Matty, I, Sutton here, and I'd like to speak on behalf of a lot of insiders out there. Um, you've given me a platform to write for and also being able to uh, dribble some nonsense over the airwaves with Matthew, my co-host here. So um, just thank you for what you did for our site and, and, and helping us develop into what we are. And hand, handing the reins over to Kevin wasn't such a bad idea either. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny. So I, I ran it for, what, I guess five years or so, and then when it came time that I, I had to get out because of my, my, my day job, I, there was no one – I, I thought to give it to other than, than Kevin. So when SB Nation came to me and asked, uh, you know, who who you think we should reach out to about the position, I immediately thought of him. So, but but really, <laughs> I can't, you know, ten what ten years ago now, eleven years ago, when when this thing started yeah. in two thousand six, I can't, I couldn't imagine it would become as big as it is now. I mean, we, we did yeah. a great job with with the podcast and everything. I in two thousand six, I didn't know what the hell a podcast was if they're even around. So it's amazing how this <laughs> thing has really taken off. All right, Maddie, I'm done kissing the ass. Um, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk some football. And I know fr from the few tweets I've seen on your timeline, I'm gathering that you're not a win-loss as a QB stat kind of guy. So let's talk about someone <laughs> other, other than the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. let's, talk, let's talk defense here. How 
much do you think this defense has improved? Do you think we're going to be able to get after the quarterback? And do you think we're going to be able to win the turnover margin? Do you think we're going to be able to force some turnovers on that side of the ball? <laughs> Winning the turnover margin, a lot of that's going to depend on Cutler and how he takes care of the ball. But to, to, to turn away from the quarterback conversation, yeah, I mean, everything I've heard from the couple people that have been to many practices down there, um, the the coaches love the secondary. And I am – last year I was terrified of it. I mean, Xavier Howard, I was not a fan of the pick at the time. The coaches love him. And I, I was on Twitter right before training camp, and somebody who used to be active on Twitter and isn't anymore, but he, he uh, direct messaged me and asked me, what's the one guy you think is going to surprise? And I said, I think Xavier Howard love is real, and he's really going to – the coaches absolutely love him. Um, I didn't see it. Last year, watching him on the, you know, we watched the All-22. He, he doesn't have that makeup speed that I like in corners, but they, they love his physicality. They love his technique. Um, and, and maybe the speed will come back now that he's healthy and doesn't have the, uh, the knee issue. Um, but I think it really comes down to what you just said about, you know, generating pressure on the quarterback and are they going to be able to. And the interior defensive line outside of Sue scares me. I was never a Jordan Phillips guy. Um, I'm not surprised that he's not running first team anymore. So, so, so that's kind of a concern. Um, but I, I think Andre Branch is better than people give him credit for. I think Charles Harris will make an impact uh, eventually. He's going to need time. Once the Pez came on, he kind of disappeared. Uh, he was, you know, a big hit in minicamp and in OTAs. But and then now the Pads are on. He's going to take time to get acclimated. Um, but it really is going to come down to if they can generate pressure. And, and I – I like to think that they'll be able to. I mean, Cameron Wake's a monster. He's in a, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a dozen more sacks this year. But it's, um, it's concerning if they can't get to the quarterback because I think the secondary is still vulnerable. Well, Matty, you know, you mentioned Xavier Howard and him coming along. And right behind him, Tony Lippett. And, of course, you got Cordria Tinkersley. And all those guys in the background there, you know, the secondary is kind of a question, but could actually come up being a strong point for the Dolphins. How do you see that all shaking out in terms of Werner there in the slot competing with McCain, Xavier Howard, and Maxwell on the outside? Do you think eventually Lippitt and Tinkersley can come along and replace, you know, Max, one of them can replace Maxwell and kind of move on there with them? Yeah, and I think that's the plan. So if all goes you know, according to what the team is uh, hopeful for. Maxwell would be gone after this year, and his big cap hit, you know, will be, uh, you know, I think it's $10 million next year, comes off the books, and they can go with yeah. Howard and, and either Lippitt or Tankersley. But, and I've been a big Lippitt fan um, because I, I think he's progressed faster than some probably expected him to. Um, but at the same time, he's still, he, he, he has a tendency to get beat badly when he does get beat. And, um, it's, it's a big year for him, I think, because I, I think, um, you know, this is, what, year three now of the project, and I think this coaching staff didn't, you know, didn't the front office that drafted him. They kind of inherited him. Um, so it's going to be a big year for him. I haven't heard too much from the people that I've talked to that have been to much of the practices about how he's progressed compared to, you know, this time last year. Um you know, whether good or bad, I just haven't really heard much on him. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks in the preseason. All right. We're joined by Maddie Infante, founder of the former, uh, not former father, 
founder of the Finsider, former managing editor of the Finsider.com. Just a few more questions for you, Maddie, and Sutton's going to get you one more, and then I have one more for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you alluded to it, you know, the, the, the Cutler turnover ratio, whatever that might be. So I'm, I'm just thinking philosophically how Gase is going to approach this season, and you have to like going to Ajayi. You know, it already talked about getting him 300 carries. Maybe that becomes 350. Maybe he becomes Ricky Williams. Who knows? Um, <laughs> But do you think we have the offensive line to pull off that kind of more run-oriented balance attack? And I'm thinking more along the lines of if we can establish the run, then maybe we can get some play action in there like Gase and uh, Cutler used in Chicago. But Cutler's also used to that when he came into the league with Shanahan. That was kind of his scheme there the first three years of his career. So do you think we have the offensive line to establish that kind of scheme? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a concern. That's certainly the goal. Um, the Ted Larson injury, it's funny. You know, everyone thought, who the heck is Ted Larson? Why are they signing him? But Gase really thought highly of him from his time uh, that he spent with him in Chicago. And I think he was a bigger part of the plan than people realize. Um, and and that that's going to hurt. Um, but, you know, it's also – it's not just the – being able to, to run the ball, I think that all three running backs, you know, Williams and Drake, are going to be heavily involved in the passing game now, even more so than they may have been with, with Tannehill in the center. So um, I, I think, you know, the, the, the short passing game can be an extension of, of the running game, especially if the, uh, if the offensive line can't hold up, they don't open holes, and they can't, uh, you know, keep Cutler clean. Uh, the quick short passes out know, of the backfield, I think we're going to see more of that. I, I think we may even see more of, you know, Drake and Ajayi on the field at the same time and, and things of that nature to get creative, try to get those mismatches and, and let Cutler get the ball uh, out of his hands quickly. That would be my guess. Uh, I, I like to think the offensive line can actually hold up and open up uh, some holes for, for Ajayi, but we also saw last year he doesn't really need that. He'll make his own holes. And he'll run <laughs> yeah. for five yards after contact. So, um, but, but, but that would be a major concern. And the Larson injury, I mean, this past week was brutal. From the concussion to Ajayi to Tannehill, and then the, the Larson injury that went under the radar, but that's an unfortunate, significant uh, impact, I think. All right, Maddie, one more question for you. Uh, I'm going to move away here from the Dolphins a little bit. You have a side project on Twitter. Uh, QB wins is not a stat at QB wins three Zs. Can you just talk to us a little bit about this Twitter account? Let's get us some attention. It's very good, and it really kind of shoots down the narrative of how quarterbacks are the sole, you know, player on one team. Yeah, you know, it's something that just started on on my, you know, my main Twitter feed, and, and I found myself defending – it really was, I guess, defending Tannehill to a point because everyone's talking about how he's 37 and 40 and all this stuff, and – it kind of just grew from there, and I realized I was filling up my timeline a bit too much with this quarterback win nonsense, so I, I wanted to create a, a separate account. But really, it, it really is just trying to, to kill that narrative that a quarterback is like a pitcher in baseball, and, and, and that's that I have issues with as well. But, you know, the wins and losses for pitchers, at least the pitcher has a one-on-one matchup with a hitter, and, and you can't do that with a quarterback. Yeah, they're the most important player on the field, but there's so many other variables that it's not fair, and – and I, I've had this debate, I mean, even growing up, just the whole Dan Marino not winning a Super Bowl thing, I had to always defend. Um, and I, I went to college in New Hampshire, so I spent a lot of time with Patriot fans and Brady and all that. So I, I was constantly defending Marino. Um, 
and that's, I guess, really where it started. And it's just grown since then. Trying to assign wins and losses to a quarterback or, or hold, you know, a, a, a quarterback's playoff record against them when there's so many other variables. It's just, it's not a fair thing to do. You can't look at it in a vacuum and say, oh, this quarterback's better than this quarterback because he has more wins in his career. Uh, and, and Dave Craig, when I started that, that, that Twitter page, Dave Craig was my Twitter icon because he really embodies <laughs> what it's about. He has the 16th most wins ever, but he, he averages 180 yards per game passing for his career. Uh-huh. So and just, did he just, really yeah. win that many games or was it to everyone else around him? And Alex Smith now is the ultimate, you know, kind of quarterback yeah. wins guy. And just a quick, you know, example, you tweeted uh, 13 hours ago right here on Monday night that we're talking live here. In 2013, Jay Culler lost the game with a rating of 128.1, 358 yards, two touchdowns. In 2011, he won a game with a rating of 46.7, 150 <laughs> yards and one interception. But, you know, you're right. Everyone likes to look at the quarterback, and the media makes a big deal about it, but really it's a team game, as the smart fans all know. Yeah, and you know, one other interesting thing that I somebody else has shown me uh, was again defending um, players against Tom Brady has become a thing of mine too. And it was Aaron Rodgers <laughs> in his postseason losses, his defense gave up like 33 points on average in his seven postseason exits. In Tom Brady's postseason career, his defense only allowed that amount one time. I mean, so. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, well, Brady has all these rings and, and Rodgers has one ring and a bunch of postseason losses, so he's not as good. It, it's it's not that simple. That, that, that's not fair. All right, Matty Infante, founder of the Finn Fighter, uh, founder of QB Wins. Check it out at Matty Infante on Twitter, at QB Wins with three Zs on Twitter. Great stuff, Matt. Thank you for joining us here on Finn Fighter Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks, thank Matty. All right, that was Maddie and Fonte. We got two callers on hold, Sutton, so we're going to get right to them. One of them is yep. the big boss man, Kevin Nogle. So we're going to bring Kevin on the line, Woo! and we'll let this caller talk to Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are doing very well. Thanks for joining us. You're just going to come hang out for a little bit, talk to us? Yeah, pretty much. All right, we have I'm a caller on the line. Of... Right yeah, we have a caller. Away, but that's we have a... We're all cutting into each other here. We have a caller on the line. We're going to bring him in. Area code 407-622. Won't say the last four numbers. How are you doing tonight? Welcome to Finsider Radio. I'm all right. I'm a Dolphin fan for life. All right. We got our boy Kristoff on the line. Kristoff knew Nogo was calling. Kristoff had to just talk to Nogo. Kristoff, shoot us your question. (laughs) Okay, well, first I wanted to make a statement regarding uh, Jarvis Landry, and no, it has nothing to do with the report we saw on the the article we saw today on the Finsider. But um, one of his most underrated aspects, people will say he doesn't score, but he does present another aspect, which is his ability to block in the game, in the run game. Uh, he absolutely loves it, and I think that'll be a big part about how that's going to help Jay Cutler because Jay Cutler likes throwing the running backs and tight ends and uh, Gase's offense. But I do have a question, and my question is, which, uh, which pickup, recent pickup do you think has more 
effect on the narrative of the season? Is it um, Jay Cutler for the Dolphins or Anquan Bolden for the Buffalo Bills in the big picture? We're going to give this one to Nogo since he called in right at the perfect time. So, Nogo, go ahead and take away this question for us. I think in the long run it's going to end up being Cutler simply because you never want your quarterback to go down in training camp. And the fact that the Dolphins were able to grab somebody who understands Gates' system, knows the terminology, and jumps over that learning curve, I think that's a huge thing. Now, that said, I think Anquan Bolden does add a lot to the Bills because he gives them that possession-type receiver, that guy that's going to be able to get you those short yardage things. A lot of what we see Jarvis Landry do, I think that you're going to be able to see Anquan Bolden do with the Bills. But I think of between those two, Tutler has the bigger impact simply because of the position he plays and the fact that he's an immediate fix to a huge problem for the Dolphins. All right, Christoph. Well thank you for calling, thank you for calling Chris. Uh, yeah. Thank Radio, Christoph. We appreciate you calling us all the time. All right, Kevin. So we have a few minutes between uh, now and when Keith calls in. We do have another caller on the line, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. But Kevin, you know, you know the website. You running the Finsider.com. You having a large Twitter following. We asked Matt Infante the same question. The reaction around Gates, and I know we're talking about Jay Cutler tonight, and and but that is the main topic that we need to discuss because. Whether we like it or not, our season this coming year over the next few months hinges on the success of Jay Cutler. If Jay Cutler can't get the job done, Matt Moore is not going to come in and save the day. Matt Moore will come in and save the day for a few weeks. But Matt Moore will not save the day for several weeks throughout the remainder of the season if Jay Cutler, A, can't get it done, or B, he gets hurt early on in the year. So, you know, that's why we're spending so much time on this because it's highly important for the Dolphins to really get him going, and he will start practicing Tuesday morning. He won't play in the Dolphins' preseason game on Thursday, but he will get going after that. So, Kevin, your general thoughts on the signing of Jay Cutler, but more so how he's going to fit in with the likes of Jarvis Lange, with Kenny Stills, who publicly voiced his support for Matt Moore earlier today, and Devontae Parker, who may benefit the most because Cutler loves his big receivers. And then, of course, you also got Julius Thomas in there. So all those guys fitting together with Jay Cutler, then throw Jay Ajayi in there as well. How do you think Jay Cutler fits into this offense, Kevin? I think that he's going to be able to come in. Like I said, he doesn't have that huge learning curve. He knows the terminology and everything. He's going to have to adjust a little bit because we saw Adam Gase adjust last year when he realized Jay Ajayi is the man. Hand him the ball. So Gase went away from being a pass-first type of offensive coordinator slash head coach. So I think you'll see uh, Jay Cutler change a little bit to that. But I think that who you're going to see benefit the most, obviously Landry is Landry. I think he could catch the ball from just about anybody. I think you're right. Devontae Parker's probably going to have a huge year out of this because Jay is more of the throw the jump ball and let your receiver go get it type. And then I think the other person who's going to see huge gains out of this is Jay Ajayi because Cutler, that year, Gase, Cutler, and Matt Forte were in Chicago. Forte caught like 90 balls or something like that. It was ridiculous. And that may not be the right number, but it was something ridiculous. So you're going to see Ajayi get that kind of role. So I think a lot of Ajayi's touches, he's going to get plenty of carry, but his, a lot of his touches are going to be through the passing game too. 
Hello? Sorry, guys. I was on mute there for, for a few seconds. I thought I was talking into the radio. So sorry for those <laughs> difficulties there. Uh, what I was saying is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Jay Cutler fits into the offense here because it's not like he's been away from football. He missed training camp, uh, not training camp. He missed the off-season program for the Dolphins, but that's it. The guy played last year, and it's not like he's been away from Adam Gase forever, too. He uh, is one year removed from him, so he's going to know the system. He's going to come in and catch right back on. He's played football up until last season, and really, if he was with a team anyways, he had that surgically repaired shoulder. His involvement in off-season program and minicamp would have been limited. So it's not like he's going to be too far behind in terms of getting back on the field than what he was normally scheduled for. Now, of course, new teammates, right? New play, a little new playbook and a new climate and new culture that he has to immerse himself in. And of course, he's probably not in the best football shape because he's been preparing for his broadcasting gig. But Kenny still is the speed. Jake Heller's throw is a deep ball. Some say it's nice. Some say it's not so nice. We'll have to see with Kenny Stills, who was, does a great job tracking the ball. He's going to have a huge target in Julius Thomas. He's going to have a power running game. He's going to have a big receiver in Devontae Parker. And he's going to have one of the best slot receivers, if not the best slot receiver in the NFL, Jarvis Landry. So he's going to be surrounded by tons of weapons. If he can get back on track to his 2015 Jay Cutler, then he may surprise a bunch of people and fit nicely in this offense and in turn uh, propel these Dolphins to a successful season, successful season for many. And I'm sure the team too would be another playoff appearance. So, we have to see how that all shapes out. I think one funny thing to remember out of this is we were all excited for Ryan Tannehill's second year in Gase's system. Well, that just transfers over to Jay Cutler now because this is Cutler's right. second year in Adam Gase's system. Yep. So it would be a lot of fun there. Yeah, no, you're hey, absolutely Kev- right. Oh, sorry, Matthew. Kevin, I know I know you put up a poll on Twitter recently about um, what fans uh, – our win total is going to be with Cutler starting yep. quarterback. I'm hoping you could share those results with us and interject your own personal opinion. Do you think Cutler and Lou of Tannehill uh, affects our floor or ceiling as a team this year? I think it does affect the ceiling – um, mostly because we don't know what Cutler is. I, I've said before that I could see the Dolphins being a 9-7 and seven team and being a better team than they were last year. That The record may be a little bit worse, but the team itself a little bit better. So I think that's probably still about where the ceiling is at 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight with Cutler, just because you are asking him to come in and do something – that he wasn't ready for, the Dolphins weren't ready for, and any time you lose your quarterback, you expect the team to take a step back. I think that the floor is probably about the same, uh, probably 7-9, and nine, somewhere around there. Um, but I do think it affects the ceiling a little bit. But we may end up seeing that a second year in Gase's system is what Cutler needed too. Uh, for that poll, uh, 21% said less than five wins, 37% said five to seven wins, 25% said eight to nine, and 17% said greater than nine wins, um, almost 4,600 votes. So 37%, five to seven, was the most popular choice. Uh, about, what, 42, 43% said eight to greater than 9%. 
So I think that seems about right, that we're, we're a little spread out right now. Everybody's trying to make sense of what is happening. So that's probably about right. All right, let's let's change gears for a second. We're going to be on Keith Beebe. I think that's how you say his last name, or Keith Beebe, uh, former host of Finsider Radio. Keith, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. All right, so Keith, you live in the Chicago area, correct? I do. All right, so <laughs> you know what we're talking about tonight, right? Not Matt Forte, uh, not Alfred Jeffrey, not Kevin White. Yeah, I have Which a fairly, fairly good idea. Yeah, we're talking about your boy, Jay Cutler. So we're going to cut straight to the chase here, Kevin, and we're joined by Sutton, and actually Kevin Noble is on the line too. Special surprise guest tonight, always, you know, keeping us on our toes when the boss man comes in. Keith, (laughs) the media perception of Jay Cutler is all over the map in terms of, oh, he's a good quarterback, he's a terrible quarterback. The jokes are flying all over the place just because that's who Jay Cutler is. But the perception in Chicago, and you were there when uh, Gase was, Cutler's OC. But right now the perception, you know, I'm sure they're talking about him a ton in Chicago. What are they saying? What are they talking about? How are they reacting to it? And do they think this is a good move for the Miami Dolphins? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a good move. I could probably encompass this whole situation by saying uh, I was out to dinner last Friday and uh, the restaurant had ESPN up on the TV and they were talking about the, at that time it was just the rumor that Jay was going to indeed sign with the Dolphins. And some guy walked by and was like, good luck. And then just kind of walked (laughs) off. But I think there's a lot of ignorance that goes with that. Um, I think that if you look at Jay's time in Chicago, I think it's eight seasons, uh, three regime changes, six offensive coordinators. You don't see many quarterbacks survive a fraction of that. So I think that, I mean, he's been through a lot of adversity and I think that a big reason that Adam Gase was able to have so much success with him in 2015 is he knows how to play to Jay's strengths. And the number one thing is you got to have his back. I mean, it goes back to when Josh McDaniels tried to trade Jay Cutler right off his uh, Pro Bowl year in 2008. Josh McDaniels comes in and then tries to finagle a deal because he wanted to go get Matt Castle out of New England. And, I mean, that – Really, I mean, Jay goes from a Pro Bowl quarterback to going to Chicago, and Chicago could never get it going around him. I mean, the offensive line was bad. I remember watching a game, I think it was in 2010, Albert Hainsworth sacked Jay Cutler by throwing offensive tackle Chris Williams at him. So, I mean, at that point, it's, I mean, the best target he had was Greg Olson. Unfortunately, his offensive coordinator at that point was Mike Martz and Ron Turner, those guys couldn't figure out how to use the tight end. So, I mean, there's culpability across the board, but I don't know that Jay ever got a fair shake in Chicago, especially from the media. The media still bashes him all the time, but I think that uh, Adam Gase figured it out with him. I mean, it's a simple process. you got to have his back. you gotta, you got to be honest with him. you got to play to his strengths, and then you go from there. Now, let me, let me piggyback on that idea, Keith. Do you think there's anything to it in terms of having Cutler's back that affected the turnover margin that we saw in some of those years? I mean, he threw, I think, 60 interceptions in a three-year span and then turned around and had, I believe, uh, one of the fewest turnovers ever in 
Bears history as a quarterback. I, I don't know if I'm pulling that out of my ass or if that's actually a legitimate statistic, but uh, definitely cut down on the interceptions, and it seemed like the fumble ruski seemed to elude him too. So do you see any connection there? I think that, I mean, in its simplest form, it's the fact that in today's game, every great quarterback has a great offensive mind that at one point or another he's going to hitch his wagon to and learn from. And, I mean, like, Jay's never had that. You know, he's never had that that sort of offensive mind to sort of foster his talent while harnessing his ability, too. And, I mean, he's a gunslinger. I mean, Brett Favre, you, you always see the Brett Favre comparison, and I think it's valid. The difference is that Brett Favre hooked up with Mike Holmgren early on. You know, he gets traded from Atlanta, goes to Green Bay, gets involved with Mike Holmgren, and then all of a sudden he's working with uh, John Gruden, who was an up-and-coming offensive guy at that point. So, I mean, uh, Chase just never really had that, that person there. I mean, like I said, six offensive coordinators. He worked with Ron Turner. He went with Mike Martz. You know, the whole mess with Mark Trussman and Aaron Cromer. It was a complete disaster. So I think that that's a long way of answering your question that, I mean, it starts with Adam Gase just saying, like, what can I do to both foster and harness this guy's ability so it doesn't turn into something where, I mean, Jay, it would just turn into gunslinger mode all the time in Chicago. And then, I mean, obviously in today's game, that leads to a lot of picks. I mean, you can't be, you can't be real loose with the football and expect to not pay for it. We are joined now by Keith Beebe, the former host of Finsider Radio and Chicago resident, here to talk to us about Jay Cutler. Kevin, I'm going to throw this your way, and if you have a question for Keith, go ahead. Hey, Keith. Long time no talk to you. It is so nice to hear your sweet voice. (laughs) It's like getting the band back together. It's kind of weird. But, uh, okay, so I'm going to take you completely away from talking Jay Cutler because I – gotten tired of talking Jay Cutler today. So uh, talk. look at where you see this defense's strength in Miami and specifically how you see the linebacker position fitting in because I personally thought Koamisi was going to be able to be a supporter, if not a starter, but at least a supporter in this linebacker group because he played the run strong and obviously now – we don't have Koamisi. So how do you see the run defense gelling, and how do you see the defense as a whole gelling? Oh, boy. I, I see it gelling long-term. Uh, I love Raquan McMillan. I think that eventually when these guys really the, – these young guys get their um, get their wings, if you will, in this offense – I mean, or defense, excuse me. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, though, it's obviously built from the center out. I mean, when you have Ndamukong Sue in there – that's always that's going to be your cornerstone, especially when you're aging a little bit on the defensive end position. You got Charles Harris that comes in now, so you're going to have that gradual turnover. Uh, I think long term, I love the personnel. I think that there's going to be some serious growing pains, though. And I mean, it's something I haven't ever, I to this point haven't really been able to figure out because I thought that the uh, the middle of the defense was going to be a real strength last year. And then, I mean, it was at times, wasn't at other times. I feel like these guys should be so much better against the run than they are. But, I mean, you're seeing a system now where, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of strength and size out on the perimeter with the corners. Uh, I mean, Rashad Jones is outstanding all the time when he's healthy. So I love the personnel long-term, but the Koamisi thing doesn't surprise me because I think that they're going to let these guys just figure it out as they go along. And, I mean, it's going to get ugly at times. 
but I think there's some serious talent in there if they're if they're able to to uh, coach them up the right way. I do All think right. that one thing that I would add is you touched on it, but I think we as Dolphins fans all hated the run defense last year and we hated the linebackers and we were looking at Indomitian Sue and Jordan Phillips and Earl Mitchell trying to figure out why we were giving up so many yards. But a lot of it, I think, came from the fact that Rashad Jones just wasn't there. Now, granted, they mm-hmm. were giving up a lot of yards when he was there too. But as that defense started to mature a little bit during the season, not having Jones there to, one, put everybody in the same position, and two, to play like a fourth linebacker, I think that that's going to help a lot this year. I'd agree. I think Rashad is talented, is so talented that he keeps a lot of offenses honest the way he whips right. around the field. So, so I'd absolutely agree with that. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Phillips. This is a, I, a make or break year for him, in my opinion, because he's got so much talent. He's got to put it together. You're playing next to Dominican Sue, dude. I mean, like, make it happen. Yeah. I think he's almost in that. Um, Devontae Parker last year type of role where all the talent's there, you're seeing flashes of it, but he hasn't figured out how to be a professional yet. And I agree. he's got to figure it out really fast this summer. Yeah. I mean, we're, we'll see, but I mean, if you can't, I mean, you've, he's got the ultimate Robin role to Batman. So, I mean, if he can't figure it out there, then I'm, I'm afraid that I don't know how to help him. Yep, exactly. MC money. We're just going to take the show over from you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll take a nap. All right, Keith, thank you for calling tonight on Finsider Radio. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Have a great evening, okay? You too. All right, All right that, was, coming, Keith. that was Keith B., former host of Finsider Radio. All right, we have a few more minutes left, but I really kind of want to run down a few things because Jay Cutler, believe it or not, is not the only thing that has happened for the Miami Dolphins the past few days. The Dolphins, they released you their liar. first depth chart. <laughs> First depth start leading up to the preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday. Here are just some observations. We can dive into a few of them. Drew Morgan is uh, behind Jarvis Landry. Very promising for Morgan. Leontay Carew, Jakeem Grant are the other second team wide receivers. So, but Drew Morgan, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Michael Thomas posted a video clip of Morgan singing Lean On Me. Very good voice, actually. I wish he would do a full video so we could listen to that whole thing going there. <laughs> Sam Young listed as the second team offensive tackle behind Laramie Tunsil. As you know, Young can also play right tackle. Jesse Davis right now listed as the second team right tackle. No surprise here with the quarterback situation. Brandy Doughty, the third team quarterback ahead of David Fales. Uh, Doughty needs to kind of make some moves this year and really solidify his spot in terms of the quarterback position because Matt Moore is likely moving on after this season. Um, we'll have to see how that, you know, plays out during training camp, whether the Dolphins carry two or three quarterbacks, probably three, just because of the concerns around Jay Cutler, can he stay healthy, and also Matt Moore. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Devon Gottschalks is the second-team defensive tackle behind Jordan Phillips. Now, that's surprising because Gottschalks has been starting ahead of Phillips in practice. And we heard Adam Gates say that Gottschalks has been outplaying Phillips, which is why he's been starting because he bases his starters as first-team reps off the previous day of practice, and Gonchucks has gotten several multiple first-team reps in consecutive days. So is – and I'm going to throw this one to uh, both of you. Uh, first, we'll start with Sutton. Sutton, it, Gonchucks, can he beat out Jordan Phillips? And what does that say about Jordan Phillips if a rookie's coming in and beating him out? Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword, to be honest with you. Um 
I dug into some Godshaw tape, and I mean, there there are some flashes there, but there's a reason he was a fifth round draft pick. Now, I'll admit that any LSU fan um, that I've conversed with swear by this guy, and you see the strengths on tape, and you see flashes there, like I said, um, but it all base, is based off of if he times the snap count correctly from my amateur perspective. Because what it looks like to me is that when he times the snap count correctly, he's causing chaos in the interior. And there were plays where he doesn't time it right, and he's the last person to react. And he's, the ball's already out of the quarterback's hands after he's made his first move. So um, you want to see some consistency there. However, from the reports that we've seen, and he's already uh, playing with the first team, you have to like uh, the young man taking an opportunity and going with it because I believe what I saw on Twitter earlier today was that on the very first snap with the first team, he went in and got a tackle for loss. So this doesn't seem like a kid that's going to shy from the spotlight. Um, I, I alluded to it being a double-edged sword because we have a second-round draft that we all – know who has athleticism but just can't seem to uh, develop that consistency and I believe Gay said it himself he'll flash for four plays and then he'll disappear and that's not what we can afford this year we need consistent production and if that comes from a fifth round draft pick so be it Adam Gase is the guy that cut two guards after the Tennessee game last year no one should feel safe to be honest with you now, Kevin, we saw the fallout from the drafting of Jordan Phillips, and we all know the story behind that. Dennis Hickey wanting Amir Abdullah, Mike Tannenbaum wanting Jordan Phillips, Mike Tannenbaum, of course, winning that battle in the draft room. When we look on this move, even as soon as this year, and say the Dolphins messed this one up, or was there no way of the Dolphins knowing that this was going to happen with Jordan Phillips? Your take, Kevin. I think that we could. I think that at the end of the day, Phillips will find a way to play. I don't think that he's at a bust level yet, but he's definitely getting close. And like Keith said before he left, that this is a make-or-break year for him. I think, uh, I think it's mm-hmm. telling that when Adam Gase just recently was asked about the starting defensive tackles and why Godshaw's in there more than Phillips – and never slows down. And I think that never slows down piece is where he's ahead of Jordan Phillips. Phillips has the talent. He's a better talented player. He's more developed. He's more NFL ready, but that never slows down part until Jordan Phillips figures out how to never slow down. He's going to have issues. And I think that the coaching staff is trying to kick him in the butt by putting Godchild there first every time. Yeah, so it's going to be yep. interesting to see how that plays out. We want Jordan Phillips to succeed. He has a good player. He has a good motor sometimes, and that's the problem. He's not consistent with what he does. If he can ever get that consistency level down, he can be a dominant player next to him with Dominican Sue. But listen, sometimes you just can't change the fire in someone's belly in terms of wanting it more than the other guy. All right, a few other notes coming into Thursday's preseason game. Damian Williams listed as a second running back behind Jay Ajayi. Kenyon Drake listed as a third running back. That's a little surprising because on the official Dolphins periscope, when they were uh, showing the live warmups before the scrimmage, they mentioned that Kenyon Drake 
was the second running back. I don't know if that was just a slip on their part and wasn't supposed to be known, or is it just an assumption? We'll have to see how that kind of plays out as we move on throughout the rest of the preseason. As you know, last year, Damian Williams was the number two with Kenyon Drake filling in the third string role. Whether or not that's the same this year remains to be seen. That game Thursday, August 10th, Falcons versus Dolphins, 7 o'clock at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. Before we get to the questions on the live thread and on Twitter, let's just touch on this Jarvis Landry situation real quick. A report coming out from a celebrity Twitter account saying that Jarvis Landry was being investigated for battery, for assault, or whatever it was. A report from Andy Slater coming out today saying, you know, kind of the same thing. A follow-up report from that celebrity Twitter account saying that it was just a battery, that there are no... um, there are no witnesses to the to the uh, incident. Jarvis Landry's girlfriend is denying any you know abuse from Jarvis himself, and she actually came out with a statement earlier today saying as such. However, multiple reports have come out after saying it's still being investigated by the uh, county's office, and that this case is certainly not closed. Kevin, do you think this has anything to do with the reason why the Dolphins have not given Landry an extension? I don't think it is. They know about it. I think Landry was very straightforward with them when it happened. I think it happened in March or May, one of the M months. I can't remember for sure off the top of my head. But it, it, uh, it's been a while. The team has known about it. Um, again, the girlfriend came out absolutely 100% today and said he would never hurt anybody. He never touched me. The police showed up. No arrests were made. No charges were filed at that time. So, there seems to be some validity to what she's saying. Again, like you said, there's still an investigation going on. So there's still things to figure out here, whether it's the police figuring it out or us as fans and the media figuring it out. So I don't think it has. I mean, maybe it slowed them down a little bit. Said, hey, let's see what happens first. But I just, I've always felt like this was an August extension. It just, it's always felt like, August was the time this extension would get done. And maybe Jay Cutler now filters in there. I don't think he does because I think they structure it as, hey, it's an extension, so you're still playing under the same salary this year. You get the new salary starting next year. But there's ways to massage the salary cap as they need to. I think that at the end of the day, it's probably an August deal that was always going to happen. Maybe it pushes into the offseason, but – I've always felt like it wasn't something that was going to happen May, June, July. Sian, are you concerned about this report coming out at this time or no? When it first came out, I definitely was. Um, It was piggybacking off the Tannehill injury, and we didn't know what was going on with Cutler. And then you had this coming out with Landry. You're like, oh, my God, what kind of nightmare am I in right now? You know, it's such a volatile and violent digression from what we were feeling the entire off season. So yeah, it was scary there for a second, but as more details emerged and, you know, Matthew, you know, we have our own little sources, you know, sprinkled throughout our little um, social media platform. The more that came out, it more, it seemed like the parents of the quote unquote victim were the ones coming out and, and airing this dirty laundry. It really wasn't coming from Jarvis's camp or from the baby mama. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. I just don't know what her name is. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it just seemed like uh, 
that the source of this information was not coming directly from the two people that were involved in this incident, which made it more of a hoopla than maybe it needed to be. Uh, again, I, this might be a cold take going forward as more information comes out, but as more information has came out, I felt more secure. And, you know, like Kevin said earlier, he was transparent with the team about this. Uh, they didn't feel the need to do anything. It seemed like so, um, think you have to trust Jarvis. You have to trust uh, Jarvis's baby mama that she's coming forward and being honest with us. And uh, hopefully we can just put this to bed and get focused on the season. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's now wrap up the show with our call with our last caller on the line here. Then we'll go to the live thread and Twitter as well. All right. Joining us area code three, two, one. Welcome to Finsider radio. Who are you and what is your question? Uh, my name is Ron. I appreciate you taking my call guys. Ron, thank you for holding. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, I'm great. I'm great. Um, I just wanted to mention a little bit about the offense, and I know we've talked about that a lot, the offense in Chicago in 2015 um, when Gase was there. I know a lot of people kind of have this, I think it's kind of a, a misconception that Devontae Parker is really, it's just going to go crazy. It's all going to be about Parker and Stills. Well, when Gase went to Chicago, he kind of reined that in. You know, Alshon yeah. Jeffrey really had those two big seasons leading up to 2015. But in 2015, I know that Alshon got hurt. But even leading up to the injury, he really kind of was having a quiet year. Nine games, four touchdowns, wasn't really big. But uh, what Gates was doing was he had two tight ends. He, he had uh, Martellus Bennett and he had Zach Miller. He was throwing to those guys. He was throwing short to a bunch of receivers no one's ever heard of. Um, obviously, he was throwing the ball a lot to Matt Forte. And um, I think that you could see that happening in Miami, that same kind of thing. Cause we, but we have a much better group of guys to do that with. When you think about Landry, you think about – um, Fasano, you think about Julius Thomas, you think about the, you know, Ajayi, Kenyon Drake, and Damian Williams, and sprinkle in a little Grant. I mean, I imagine he'll be able to kind of take that and put it on steroids because every and every star in Chicago in 2015, all their big time guys, every single one of them got hurt, but none of them played the entire season. So uh, I really could see that kind of offense, and I know it sounds a little similar to what New England kind of does. I don't know that'll look like that, but I could imagine the offense kind of looking that way based off our personnel and what he did in Chicago in 2015 to kind of do more of the short game, rein in Cutler a little bit on the long ball and try and help those interceptions. I don't know what you guys thought about that. All right, Ron, we're going to put you on mute here because that's what we do here on Finsider Radio as we respond to your statement and question here. Uh, You know, we kind of talked about this throughout the show tonight. You're absolutely correct. Uh, and not only that on the field, but Adam Gase reined in Jay Cutler in the locker room and turned him into a leader. He challenged Jay Cutler, and this is straight from Jay Cutler's mouth. Let me just find the quote here as I'm going through this. Um, Jay Cutler said that Adam Gase challenged him to become a leader, challenged him to break out of his shell, challenged him to be more comfortable around the other guys, and to really be that guy in the locker room that other people look up to. So that was the big thing you know, for Adam Gase to do in Chicago with Jay Cutler. Another thing that Jay Cutler said is what Adam Gase uh, makes guys click so much. Jay Cutler says, I think he's really good. I think he's really good at his job. He takes care of quarterbacks. If you kind of look at his track record of where he has been, every, even when I met him in Detroit, he was always learning and getting better. San Francisco, Denver, everywhere he's been around quarterbacks, they've been successful. So Adam Gase, obviously a guy that players respect, players love to play for. Jay Cutler coming out of retirement when he has his cushy Fox broadcasting job, you know, it's it's really good stuff. And we saw Adam Gase even rein in Ryan Tannehill a bit last year. 
We're all excited for Dana Hill's second season under Adam Gase. Like Kevin said earlier on, this is Jay Cutler's second season in Adam Gase's office as well. So we'll have to see where that all shakes out. All right, Ron, we're going to hang up the phone. Thank you for calling Finsider Radio. We appreciate your call. All right, Sutton, let's jump to the live thread. One question for you, one question for Kevin. Go ahead. Okay, this is a doozy, and we'll just go ahead and start off with a tough one. Um, This question comes from NAIA, and he's a first-time responder onto the live thread. And he asks, uh, I'm sorry, with with the Tannehill injury, do the Fins draft a quarterback next year in what looks to be a deep quarterback draft? Kevin, you want to take this one? I don't think they do. I've talked this a couple times already. Um, I, I don't think they do unless really bad news about Tannehill's knee. Adam Gase came to Miami to work with Ryan Tannehill. He had stuck behind Tannehill. He has said this is Tannehill's job. It just seems to me that to give up on Tannehill after what essentially is 13 games, it seems really, really rushed. That said, could they go to Tannehill this year and go, hey, let's restructure your contract a little bit, maybe make some more of it incentive-based so that there's playing time incentives, incentives in there or something like that. I could see that. Do you draft a quarterback mid-rounds? Probably, because like um, I think it was UMC Money that said it, that this is probably Matt Moore's last year here. Yep. So I think you're, you're, you're probably seeing a mid-round quarterback that can come in there, maybe push Dottie, maybe try to get that backup job and be ready in case Tannehill's knee's not 100% by next year. But I don't, I don't see an early-round quarterback. Yeah. So what else do we got there? Okay. We got, and this is going ahead kind of into 2018 already. We're already kind of forward thinking as Dolphins fans, apparently. Is it a mock draft? Is it a mock draft? (laughs) No, you're not so lucky, Kevin. Um, But it does ask, what are your, what are your really early draft needs for next year? Hmm. Me, me, me. Per- um, go ahead. Go I'll, I'll ahead. go ahead and throw. I'll, I'll throw a quick thought out there, and then I'll throw this to you, Kevin. Um, I think we're going to be. Uh, I think we're looking. I think we still got to look defense. Um, I'm thinking interior defense, to be honest with you, at this point. Uh, but again, we have a whole 2017 season to play, so we'll see which of these. Young bloods come in and who contributes and who falls off. You know, the narrative that we have right now about who we think is going to do what this year, you know, it never comes to fruition 100%. So we're going to be wrong somewhere along the way. Uh, so we're going to have to see what transpires first. But defensive tackle sure sticks out to me as numero uno at this point. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I was going to say almost exactly the same thing. That's that's why I don't think a quarterback early. I think you're still looking defense. I think that as of right now, the 2018 draft is a very ugly one in terms of you're not getting that flash player. I think you're looking at offensive line and you're looking at defensive tackle. And defensive tackle is probably my number one, uh, depending on how Jordan Phillips plays. You did pick up two this year, so maybe those guys develop. But I think you're looking for a defensive tackle. I think you're probably looking guards. And the one flashy position I could see being drafted is safety. So you have somebody 
that's grooming mm-hmm. next to Rashad Jones and is finally giving him somebody that will be in that position for years to come. All right. So, and anything else on a live thread? Uh, let me give a shout out to 39 is number one. He asked, uh, how is the, so he's referencing Jay Cutler's six documented concussions, three from college and three in the pros. And he asked, how is the current Dolphins offensive line supposed to keep him on his feet and off the bench? What do you think, MC Money? All right. I like this question because Jay Cutler is kind of known for getting the ball out quickly. While he doesn't have the pre-snap mastery that someone like obviously Peyton Manning has or the other greats in the game like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and so forth, he's able to get the ball out pretty quickly. And I think Adam Gates will make that a huge priority for Jay Cutler, knowing his injury history and knowing the fact that, hey, we need this guy to start as much as possible for us. So I think they're going to focus on that, getting the ball out quick, short passes, take the deep shot when you possibly can, and really focus on the running game and the West Coast offense there. And I think that's the approach Miami's going to take. All right, let's jump over to I Twitter. Think I'll add, can I just add Go one ahead, thing Kevin. real quick on that? I'll, I'll also add in that I think I was, I was feeling more comfortable with the offensive line before Larson's injury, um, but I think that Anthony Fasano, it might be the answer there, that you may end up seeing him just become a sixth offensive lineman anytime he's out there. And so you're getting better pass protection because Fasano is a good blocker. Good point. Very good point. We always forget about Anthony Fasano for some reason, but he's going to be an integral part of the Dolphins offense this year. All right, I'm going to jump to Twitter now for the questions there while Sutton scrolls the live thread for a few more questions. We have one here from Esteban Sabreros, our boy. Let's see. He has uh, one question here. How fast can we assume that Jay Cutler can develop a rapport with the players in a locker room and become a leader so soon? Esteban, it will take time. We all know it's going to take time. It's going to have to form those relationships. Some of the guys here he knows, like Jermon Bushrod, David Fales, other guys he has no idea who they are, like Kenny Stills, and he's going to have to you know, develop that relationship with them, and hopefully he can spend time at it over the next few weeks and really work at it and develop that chemistry off the field that's going to then translate on the field. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight. It may not even happen before the first week of the season, but you hope as the season goes on, that chemistry perks up. Kevin, I'm going to throw the next one to you from our boy Rob Carruth. What are the chances? What are the chances Tannehill gets cut next year? Uh, I said it earlier. I don't think he will. I think they may try to restructure it. I think that he still has the leverage, even with a bad knee, because if he hits the open market, there's going to be a demand for him. I mean, look how many teams could use a quarterback like him. I mean, just Jets, uh, Browns. Oh, God, don't you say have... that, Kevin. Don't say that. Oh, my I mean, God, I can't believe even, that came out of your mouth. Even make the argument, you <laughs> could even make the argument that the Patriots would go after him to put him behind Brady <laughs> and become the heir apparent to Brady over Garoppolo. So oh there's going to be God. a demand for Tannehill if he hits the open market. I think he's still in Miami. I don't think they cut him restructure the deal maybe, but I think he is the 2018 quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I do think he's on the roster. Whether or not he's a starter, that remains to be seen based on the injury. I still not positive he'll be back in time from this ACL surgery, but he is too valuable to just cut. Trade, if they make the playoffs with Jay Cutler, trade, maybe. Uh, But cut, outright cut, absolutely not. He is too valuable to this team to outright cut him. All right, so and anything and I think left that you also my... have 
Go ahead, Kevin. I think you also have um, – sorry, I like to talk over you guys. Uh, Go for it. I, I don't. I don't make your show as clean as you guys usually make your show. But <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think the other piece there is if the Dolphins have a really bad year and are down in those first few picks, and this is that deep quarterback class. I think the fact that they have Tannehill becomes a benefit for them because then they're a lot. They can trade back and go. We don't need a quarterback. We still have Tannehill. So now they can get that bounty of draft picks and pick up a bunch of players later. Yeah, I mean, it's such a tough situation because of the injury there. I mean, he, he partially tore his ACL at the end of last season and, and then re-injures it again this training camp. Is that knee going to be stable again? I mean, if Jay Cutler makes the playoffs with the Dolphins, what does Tannehill really mean to the team in the first place? It, it's just going to be a cloud over the team for the next year or so and then of course the financial and decision they have to make i've torn i've partially torn my acl twice um i think obviously i'm not out there as a quarterback in the national football league i put my knee through enough being in the army but i i can tell you eventually i'm going to have to have surgery on it because it's messed up i've done physical therapy with it for a long time and I have fairly good stability in it. Every now and then it'll buckle. It'll do something funny. So you can get by. Again, it's an NFL quarterback now, so he's doing things with that knee other than what I am doing with my knee. But it definitely never heals until you have that surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, ACL, everyone responds differently. So we'll have to see how Tannehill rebounds from that. And obviously we hope he does. But we have a long way to go before we even address that question again. So, and anything else yep. on a live thread? No, nope, live thread looks cached. All right, live thread is cached. Twitter is cached. Phone calls are cached. Interviews are done. This was a jam-packed show here on Finside Radio, our longest show ever, one hour, 21 minutes thus far here on the air and boy, oh boy, what a crazy few days. And this, this was news from just three days of Dolphins. And <laughs> what's going to happen when the season starts? We can talk, guys, for the next hour and a half or so. And all about Jay Cutler if we <laughs> wanted to. But we're not. We're um, going to hang up and get off the air in just a few seconds. Uh, but please do join us next week here on Finside Radio. Follow us all on Twitter for some more insight. I'm at Finside Radio. We have Sutton at Sutton Laces Out. And Kevin at the Finsider and House, our other sidekick, who uh, is not here tonight. You can find him at House. So give us all of us a follow. If you're not following us already, we have insight throughout the week. If you don't follow us or if you don't, you know, keep up with Twitter like you should, or if you don't have Twitter, then join us next week here on Finsider Radio as we talk about the results from the Dolphins' first preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons how Jay Culler has been doing in practice and all the inside information regarding him and the locker room. Kevin, thank you for calling in and joining us tonight. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Absolutely. Kevin. Thank you guys for letting me be on for a while. All right. Not a problem. All right. For Kevin Nogo, the, uh, not the founder, the uh, managing editor of the Finsider. Thank you to our guests earlier today, Antoine Staley of USA Today, Dolphins Wire. Thank you to Maddie Infante, founder of the Finsider. And thank you to Keith Beebe, our Chicago resident who's giving us the inside scoop on the media reaction there to Jay Cutler, former host of Finsider Radio. So for Kevin Nuggle and Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, I am MC Money. Thank you for joining
Insider Radio. We'll talk to you next week. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.